Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. The effects of monetary tightening are seeping through to the real economy, contributing to lackluster growth, particularly in developed economies. And such resilience and growth advantage over developed markets look like it's making emerging countries an attractive destination for the second half of the year. So what kind of opportunities are there in emerging markets? What asset classes should you be looking at for better returns? Well, joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Alicia Baraldi, who is the head of emerging macro and strategy research at Amundi Institute. Alicia, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining me today. You know, Alicia, let's have some context here. How has emerging markets performed so far this year compared to developed markets? Emerging markets uh, have been uh, quite resilient. Mm. If you think that has been a year when the Federal Reserve has been uh, pushing up in terms of hiking, we had the China data showing a pronounced slowdown. Emerging markets have been resilient in terms of emerging equity, ex-China, but even on the fixed income side, our currency performed well. Spreads have been narrowing, even with base rate was increasing, and local debt as well, duration mm-hmm. side, has been quite performing. Mm, I see, I see. And let's just focus in on some emerging markets here. You know, an overextended property sector, weak household consumption, indebted local governments and shaky consumer and business confidence are kind of warning signs that China's economy is slowing down. What's your outlook on China's economy? Yeah, indeed. The real estate sector has been weaker and weaker in China. Mm. But lately, even household consumptions have started to decelerate. Mm-hmm. On the other side, if you want, you have production or exports that are bottoming out. Mm. So the, the reopening has been fueling the expectation of a strong rebound in China mm. that they didn't materialize. Only Q1 was particularly strong. Mm. And today, the economy is slowing. Q3 is showing a weakness as the one weakness in Q2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moody has been reducing uh, its growth expectation for China to 4.9% mm. from uh, above 5.5%. So this is in line with the targets of the authority. But is Asia as a whole driving a significant portion of growth globally despite this recent weakness observed in China? Yeah, while uh, decelerating from uh, the strong growth that Asian countries have been registering Mm. in 2022 and uh, even uh, in consideration of uh, the exposure of Asia to China and Mm -hmm. particular countries in North Asia or Malaysia to name Mm -hmm. a few countries, we are still talking about economies with important growth potential rates, Mm. even when compared with other emerging markets. Mm -hmm. And indeed, uh, as the IMF was uh, posting some months ago, Asian contribution to growth is all almost 70%. Mm-hmm. We've talked about China and its slowing economy, but what about India? Is it a different story there? India is in a bright spot. Okay. We have different factors contributing to this perspective mm-hmm. and view. First of all, the China Plus strategy, so diversification out of China. Mm-hmm. The advanced level of digitalization in the country, mm-hmm. the robust economic momentum, considering that corporate have been deleveraging, banks have been reducing non-performing assets, mm-hmm. India is ready to start an interesting investment cycle mm-hmm. that is very much necessary to keep growth mm-hmm. high 
and to accommodate the massive amount of young people entering every year in the labor markets. I see, I see. I mean, emerging markets have shown some resilience and a growth advantage over developed markets. And given this outlook on India and China, how does you know this make emerging countries an attractive destination for investors? Yeah, you mentioned a very important factor when you go to decide if you invest or which kind of risk exposure mm-hmm. to take to emerging markets. So the growth premium between emerging markets and developed markets and even more how this growth premium evolves is certainly one of the most important drivers mm-hmm. when you have to decide about the, the risk exposure to emerging markets. So directional growth perspective relevant in general, mm-hmm. but even more when you want to increase exposure to the riskiest asset in or riskiest asset classes in the emerging universe, mm. such as uh, FX or equity, because they are clearly directly related to the earnings perspective. Mm, okay, okay. Then what kind of opportunities are there for emerging markets? I mean, should investors be turning to emerging markets growth advantage to their favor or how can they do that? When uh, we look at opportunities, clearly we have to take into consideration uh, what we were talking about before, so the growth premium mm. uh, in emerging markets. We have to think about the policy uh, landscape mm. across emerging markets, so a stable final macro-financial environment, and I'm referring in particular to aspects like fiscal uh, fragility or even external vulnerability in emerging markets. But even uh, we have to look at global financial conditions. Mm-hmm. So a Fed pivoting clearly is attractive is conducive for emerging markets investment. So opportunities are well spread, mm. uh, I would say, across the different asset class uh, within the emerging universe. Uh, mm-hmm. Between equity, fixed income, then we have to go to regions and countries mm-hmm. to pick the best opportunities. Okay, okay. But just to be more specific here, what asset classes should investors be looking for when aiming for the best returns? If I look at the, again, uh, to growth premium, mm-hmm. if I look to the Fed near to pivoting and uh, with stable, uh, if not declining Mm -hmm. yields globally, plus the decent performance in terms of commodity. Let's consider emerging markets. Many emerging markets are commodity exporters. If I look at technicals uh, and flows, probably uh, still the half currency debt is attractive Mm -hmm. among the uh, different asset class in emerging markets. Alicia, and in terms of equities, should investors be favoring emerging markets? market equities as well? I mean, what region is specifically more appealing? When uh, we look at investments in equity, Mm -hmm. investments opportunity in equity, normally we look at valuations and uh, earnings perspectives. Mm. At regional level, I would say that valuations are more appealing in LATAM or Eastern Europe, Brazil is a point in case. Mm-hmm. Instead, when we go to uh, the earnings perspective, probably Asia, mm-hmm. even related to, the, to what we were mm-hmm. talking about before in terms of growth perspective. So Asia has uh, offered interesting opportunity in terms of uh, We have to look at countries where growth perspective mm-hmm. are more solid. Okay. And then you have India, but even countries like Mexico, for mm-hmm. example. So it's not very much a matter of region. It's mm-hmm. more a matter of country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, meanwhile, emerging market bond yields, they fell in the first half of the year. Does this still offer appealing entry points for investors in terms of, you know, spreads and carry? 
in the, the local depth and in particular the local duration has been uh, one of the core of the uh, emerging market. Mm-hmm. And this is due to the fact that many, several emerging markets uh, were in a much more mature monetary policy cycle. Mm-hmm. And indeed, we have seen some of them starting to cut the risk during the summer. We had the Central Bank of Brazil, Chile, right. even Poland more recently. So clear the market was discounting this turn in the monetary policy stance mm-hmm. by the central banks and the duration has uh, favored. Right now, the local debt appears decently priced mm-hmm. overall, uh, even more if you compare to the US rates, for example. But if we go below the index and you, you look at regions in this case, mm-hmm. there are still uh, interesting opportunities, in particular in the Latam regions, where the uh, room for maneuver uh, for the central banks mm-hmm. is uh, probably higher in comparison with other uh, central banks in the universe. Mm, I see, I see. What about in terms of currencies then? What currencies would, you know, benefit from a weaker greenback? As I was saying before, the currency asset class in emerging markets uh, needs of uh, clarity and direction mm. and directional view on growth. Having said that, uh, in an environment where uh, dollar is expected to depreciate, mm-hmm. we tend to favor the high carry currencies. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, in this respect, uh, we have to return to Latin America where countries like, uh, sorry, currencies mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Mexican peso or Brazilian real are still very interesting. We have seen even the good performance of uh, a Colombian peso due to the oil performance. In Asia, we have few currencies uh, mm-hmm. with attractive uh, carry and clearly I'm referring to India, INR and IDR. I see. I see. And before we let you go here, Alicia, I mean, overall, though, what approach should investors take to keep an eye out for specific vulnerabilities and the inflation trajectory? This question reminds me that emerging markets, uh, when you invest in emerging markets, mm-hmm. uh, you have to look always to local factors and global factors. Okay. Indeed, the inflation trajectory is something that we are very carefully monitoring at this point mm-hmm. uh, because the inflation trajectory is the driver behind the call on the emerging market central bank easing, right. the first driver. And indeed, uh, of uh, inflation, uh, it is inflationary path that is, if you want, less pronounced. And mm-hmm. in some cases, even some not pleasant surprise on the upside in terms of inflation. So mm-hmm. this is something that we have to look at to assess if the central banks are going to pause or at the extreme case change their monetary policy stance, but this is not our call as of now. Mm-hmm. The other point are the global conditions, mm-hmm. and that has to do with external vulnerability. So the way we normally look at it is to look at the external vulnerability through balance of payments, external debt, resource mm-hmm. positions. And this is a way through which we rank normally the vulnerability of the countries and we move towards less fragile conditions mm. in different in some countries. I see, I see. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insights today, Alicia. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. We've been speaking with Alicia Baraldi, who is the head of Emerging Macro and Strategy Research at Amundi Institute. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.